0: So this morning, uh, moms, you, you get a, a special message. Uh, fathers, you don't. <laughs> it's every single one is special. But listen, I want to bring you to Romans chapter eight, Romans chapter eight, and verse fifteen. Remember this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so that, that term Abba, Father, you, you remember where it was used by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Where was it? It was in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Abba, Father, and it was at that moment that he was asking the Father uh, to allow the cup to pass. Like, if there was any other way to serve as the atonement for our sins, then may it be done. But he said, nonetheless, may your will be done, not mine, right? But remember this, as we continue through this, remember that in Christ, we too can cry out to the Father in the same manner, with great reverence and humility, with a fear of the Lord. And we too, at moments when we need to cry out to the Father like that, we too can cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. This morning, we are covering verses 9 through 17. And this is set free and proven Part two, as we covered the first eight verses last week. So I want to read through uh, Romans chapter eight and starting in verse one. And we're going to go through verse 11. Romans chapter eight, verse one says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Father, we, we are truly thankful for the promises. And those that we have just read, Lord, this is truth. This is your very word, and I pray, Lord, that you would do a a work this morning that we would be open to whatever it is that you desire to speak to us, to give us a deeper understanding of your word that we may know with great confidence, a humble confidence that we belong to you. And if not, Father, I pray that today be the day of salvation. Lord, that your kindness would draw anyone here who does not belong to you, to you. That they would surrender, they would yield to you, that They would place their faith in Jesus Christ. And today would be the day of salvation. And I pray for the church, Lord, that we may grow in maturity. No matter where we are, as the Apostle Paul uh, confessed that he had not arrived, there's not one here that has arrived. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. You you would do just your, your wonderful and perfect work. And Lord, that as the Spirit speaks that your church would incline their ear and heart to Him, And so, Father, we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing, and all of God's people said, Amen. So this morning we're learning, as we started out last week, how the Holy Spirit operates within us to oppose and defeat the evil forces that work against us and, and are always at work against God. According to God's word, friendship with the world is enmity with God. That's James 4.4. 4. And we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And it is for this reason that we need to be indwelt by the spirit. And then as we are indwelt by the Spirit, to learn to discern when it is that we are living according to the Spirit and when we're living according to the flesh. We need to be able to discern that. It's very important for us. And what to do when we realize, perhaps, that we're walking in the flesh and not in the Spirit. Now, I remind you that in this chapter, there is not one commandment, there is not one authoritative command. And there's a reason for that. This is important to note because Paul is writing about a life that is guided, that is led by the Spirit of God. And if a person is indeed indwelt by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, and is obedient to the Spirit, then there is no need for a string of commandments to be laid out. I reminded you, fathers, mothers, parents... That when your kids, when our kids are obedient to you, there's no need to remind them of your word, right? Your rules and everything that you expect of them on a daily basis. Am I correct? Oh, how amazing it is when our kids just simply do what they're supposed to do. They know it. It's with us as well. There's no need for an authoritative command. There's no need for a single reminder when we're walking obediently with the Lord. A person who has a desire and a passion for pleasing God will pay attention to the conviction and the overall work of the Spirit in their lives. And this is, this is important. And respond accordingly. Accordingly. As I said last week, I'll say again, I titled this message Set Free and Proven because those in Christ are indeed set free from the power of sin and death and their new set free lives in Christ are proven in mind, in spirit, and in action. We are proven through trials. We are proven when things get difficult. We are proven when we are pressed on all sides. We've seen that a person who is set free in Christ is freed from the law of sin and death and has a set mind on the Spirit, on the things of God. A person who knows life and peace in Christ. We know that peace that surpasses all understanding. But a person who is in the flesh is described in this manner as we went through that last week. To live according to the flesh is to have a mind set on the things of the flesh. To set the mind on the flesh is death. And we, we will be reminded of that over and over and over again, as it is written throughout the book of Romans. The mind that is set on the flesh is actually an enemy of God, hostile to to God, enmity, it is enmity itself to God. The mind set on the flesh does not and cannot submit to God's law. We are constantly fighting against it. And in verse 8, it says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And yet we begin in verse 9 where it says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, if in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Two points that I'm going to touch on this morning is number one, the spirit within and number two, the spirit without. So let's begin Remember who it is that the Apostle Paul is writing to. We can be reminded of that by going back to chapter 1 and verse 7, because he is writing to all those in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be saints. Question if that is the audience, if those were, that was the group of this letter, the intended audience of it, who is loved by God? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves each and every person. Period. Let me ask you this. Who are called to be saints? In other words... Who does God call to be saved? Well, Second Peter three nine answers this. In other verses, but we'll go to Second Peter three nine, which says, "Not wishing that any should perish, any any is any. God wishes that none should perish, not one single person. And yet we're the ones that choose to receive or reject the offer of God's grace, the offer of His gift to us." But he wishes, he desires, that all should reach repentance. Therefore, Paul is writing to the believers in Rome who claim to follow Jesus Christ. And I am going to assume that the majority of us here are Christians who are believers. And therefore, this letter is written to you and I today. It's God's word. It's living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It does that surgical work that the Lord has planned and willed for this very moment. To open up, to reveal, and to do a work where God's Word needs to do work. Paul is telling them, as the Lord is telling us today, what it means to be of the world. We need to pay attention to that. That way we can discern, we can identify, we can regard that which is of the world and what it means to be of the Lord. We need to know what it looks like to walk with Him. How to tell the difference between living a life patterned after the flesh and what it looks like to live a life patterned after the Spirit of God. That's why he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, this could have been written differently. Not with conditions. Just assuming every single person is in the right place with God. Has a wisdom and understanding, a knowledge of what it looks like to be in the spirit and walk with the Lord and what it means to be in the flesh and walk with the world. But that's not assumed. Paul is not assuming that everyone is saved. But he does want them to know how to tell the difference between a saved person and an unsaved person. Not so that we can point the finger. But so that the person who listens, who hears the word, will know, am I truly saved or am I unsaved? And what is it that I could go through and really know with great confidence where I stand? To know the difference between a person who has a spirit indwelling them and a person who does not. Have the Spirit indwelling them. You know, the Lord wants us to know that. As Christians, listen, the flesh should not be the dominant force in our lives. It is not, oh, you know, this is the way the Lord made me. I'm just wired this way. That should not justify our sin. Never. In fact, it never does. We can attempt to justify, but it never will. As Christians, the flesh should not be the dominant force in our lives. If it is, it's because we're giving ourselves to it. In other words, we're yielding to the flesh, we're surrendering to the flesh. And the reason why we're doing that is because we love our sin. 1 John 4 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, as we make reference, as John makes reference to little children, and he uses that term a few times. Little children is not the little, you know, five-year-olds, seven-year-olds, ten-year-olds. It's little children as in young in the faith. And so even the young in the faith, those who have not been walking with the Lord for very long, this is a basic foundational Truth that we need to know. You are from God and have overcome them. He's referring to false teachers. He's referring to false doctrines. He's referring to the world, is what he's referring to. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It's a basic truth that we as Christians ought to know. You feel overwhelmed as little children, new in the faith, with the world, the flesh, peer pressure and all of that, media, everything that comes at you, then know this, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If this is true, and it is, then we need to understand that the spirit within us is far more powerful than the flesh. Sometimes we we act as if the flesh is greater than the spirit. Let me read it again. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The spirit within you is greater than your flesh, is greater than the world, is greater than Satan. The spirit is freedom. The Spirit is gratitude but the flesh is bondage and the flesh is duty the spirit convicts the flesh condemns the apostle paul writes to the galatians in galatians 5:16 but i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh if you conscientiously and deliberately walk according to the spirit of truth, according to the leading of the spirit in God's word, then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Conscientiously, deliberately, knowing that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Walking in the spirit is walking in God's truth. If you do that, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And this is why it is critical for the believer to read and know God's word so that he can be guided by the spirit into all truth and discern when he is being guided contrary to it, duped by the devil, by the world, by the flesh, by culture, by peers, by progressive religion, and so much more. It says in verse 9, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Uh, A couple things here. Number one, have you ever heard the question, are you a spirit-filled Christian? Is this a spirit-filled church, right, that you go to? Well, it says here in verse 9, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Is there any other Christian? Is there any other genuine church? After all, Christ is the head. And where He is, the Spirit is. Yes, this is a Spirit-filled church. And you are Spirit-filled if you indeed have yielded, have surrendered to Christ as Lord and Savior. So, I want to make that point, but we're being instructed here at as a new Christian or a Christian who does not have an understanding of this. You don't know what you don't know, right you You don't know what you don't know, but at the point you do come to know, now you need to work to gain understanding. How does that all fit in? How does this all work? And this was what the Apostle Paul was writing to the Christians in Rome. He wanted them to have understanding. That's why we go through the whole counsel of God, so that we may learn, grow, mature, and have a better grasp on God's word. Why? Just to build head knowledge? No. So that we ourselves may apply it. That we would walk confidently and humbly before the Lord. We would honor Him. By the manner in which we conduct ourselves. Paul is addressing what it means to have the Spirit indwelling you as a believer. And that's one of the things that I prayed for today. That we ourselves would have a greater understanding of what it means to have the Spirit indwelling you as a believer. There's too many struggles. There's too many things going on within you that shouldn't be going on we should at some point get to a place in our walks with the lord to where we know how the spirit indwells us and how he works in our lives what he's leading us to we we need to grow we need to be stronger As Stephen reminded us, the days are getting darker. That's why it's more and more important for us to walk in the light and reject the darkness. Now, the question is can Christ indwell an unclean vessel? Think about that. Can Christ indwell an unclean vessel? God is righteous, God is holy. What does that mean for you and I? Does this not mean that he who is in you is greater than he than he who is in the world? Think about this. You know, you go around calling yourself a sinner, don't you? You hear that over and over again. Are you a sinner or a saint? Okay, you don't have to answer that. What are we called to be? Yeah. And he said we're called to be saints, right? Back in chapter 1 verse 7. We're called to be saints. That doesn't mean that you know we've demonstrated, you know, holiness and righteousness to the point to where we are then called saints, right? No, no, no. We we are righteous in Christ. Uh his righteousness covers us. So does this mean that our vessels are new and clean and therefore Christ can and does indwell us? The question is how? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, a new creation, The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So what does that mean? It means the old man is dead. Dead. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. As we read, And he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead gives life to your mortal body through the spirit who dwells in you. We've we died in Christ, but the old man, the old body is dead. And according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're new creatures in Christ. And the new has come. That, that's just wonderful news. It, it's, it's the Spirit who gives us Life. We are alive, we are walking and talking simply and only because God sustains us. He gives us life. That's the only way we can live. Question is, do you desire to live for the glory of God? The spirit within will give evidence of that. Do you desire to live for the glory of God? Of God, because in ephesians two ten it says, "For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them we, we ought to that 's one of the things that, as the Spirit is within us, that we should have at, at some point in the new man a desire being filled with the Holy Spirit, a desire to work these things out that God has prepared for us to do and walk in." For the remainder of our lives until we go home to be with him. If the spirit is indwelling us, we belong to Christ. The old man is dead and the spirit has given us life and power over the old desires of the flesh. If the old man, this is one of those tests. This is one of the things that we ought to know. That way, if the old man is not dead, if we struggle so much to where we just seem to be overpowered by sin and the old things, Then the question is, have I truly surrendered to Jesus Christ? Am I truly His? I want you to be sure of that. To be confident of that. Don't play with this. This this is of eternal consequences. This is not something to toy with or leave for tomorrow. It's right this very moment. You need to be sure of that. So the spirit within, but we also deal with the spirit without. Verse 12 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, We owe nothing, zilch, nada, to the flesh. We are not debtors to the flesh at all. Have you ever felt indebted to someone or to something? You feel like you owe them something. Oh, that's strong. That is absolutely... It can actually influence the way you think, what you say, the way you act. When you sense when you believe that you are indebted. In what the Apostle Paul is saying here in this verse, in verse 12, hey, listen, brothers, sisters, we are not debtors to the flesh. So when the flesh rears its ugly head, you can dismiss it. It's not that easy, Pastor. No, I know it's a struggle. It is. But quite honestly, it's a matter of choice, an exercise of the will. It's not in your power that you do it. It's in the power of the Spirit. That's why we can rely on God and not on ourselves. When we feel an urging by the flesh to not give it up, Whatever it is, our way of thinking, our, our actions, whatever we, we want to do. The Spirit is saying no. You don't have to. Just say no. Ignore it. Reject it. Come, walk with me. I'll lead you into all truth. You'll experience a freedom and a liberty and a peace that you will never experience if you remain in bondage to sin. It's a matter of choice. Outwardly, as the Spirit's work within us is revealed in how we live, we need to remember that when the flesh rears its ugly head and tempts us, we owe it nothing. Nothing at all. The abusive master of the past has no power over you. As you are filled with the Spirit and you are dead to the old man of the flesh and Your new master is the creator of the universe, God Almighty. And you live for his glory and not for the glory of the flesh. Because the flesh corrupts and the flesh brings forth death in so many ways. Don't live a life led by it. It is no life at all. And we know, as we read through Scripture, you can kill the desires of the flesh by this by living in the Spirit, and you know life in life abundantly. Here's an example: a thought of the flesh, because it's not of God. I am worthless, and God does not love me. Where does that come from? You think you know that's uh, that comes from the Spirit? No. Well, why do we know that it doesn't come from the spirit? Because it's not true. It's not truth. And what is not truth is not reality. We perceive it to be reality. But what's reality? It's God's truth. That's reality. The thought, I'm worthless and God does not love me. Kill it. Immediately. Do not entertain it. Kill the flesh by the Spirit who leads you in all truth. What is truth? God's word is truth. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward you. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16. We all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God will never leave you nor forsake you. God loves you with an everlasting love. That's truth. He tells us to be strong and courageous, for He is with us wherever we go. He tells us that we are His his poema, His workmanship. We are the clay, and He is the potter. We are His vessels. We are the ones that He inclines His ear to, His heart. We are the ones whom he sent his son to die on the cross that we may know a relationship with the father and be reconciled unto him. Kill the flesh immediately. You are loved so much that God made a way to save you from eternal condemnation in hell. That's enough. But really, it's your choice whether to receive His, receive his gift of grace or reject it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And this is, this is where the battle is. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. Who destroys arguments? I, I just want to point out the obvious here. We need to understand what, what is being said here. Who destroys arguments? We do. How, how do we do that? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. It's only a, an opinion. Raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to what? Obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. That's when we're mature in Christ, when we know God's word, we give those thoughts to the Lord, we realize that it's an argument. It's just a lofty, prideful opinion. Why do we know that? Because it's raised against the knowledge of God, that is, the word of God. Oh, and then so we take every, those thoughts captive. We take them and we submit them. We give them to the Lord. They're yours. Destroy them. They're not yours. It's not truth. It's not reality. You want weapons of warfare? I hope that you do. Get into God's word, pray. Know his word and be led by the Spirit. As it says in verse 14 it is the person who is led by the Spirit of God who is a son or daughter of God it, it is not by any act not by what we do that you become a child of God but it is revealed that you are God's whether you are led by the spirit or not that that's why it's important are you are you led by the spirit this is these are important for us. Truths to know and to walk out. Are you led by the Spirit? This is how you know. Are you convicted by the Spirit? Are you drawn to the truth by God's Spirit? Do you yield to the governance of the Spirit? Do you cooperate with the Spirit? Over the years as a pastor, one of the most difficult things, time and time again, is to give biblical counsel and for it to be rejected. That is by far one of the most difficult things that we can experience. And I've talked to many pastors about this. If, if Jesus sorrowed over the rejection of his people, certainly he has sorrow in his heart when we ourselves do not obediently yield to God's word. Because even as Christians, we can fall back into a spirit of slavery to the flesh and sin. Take, for example, the story of the prodigal son and of the lost sheep and of the story of Peter and his need to be restored by Jesus. That, That all tells us that we, were, we, we are very close, we are inclined to do that very thing. So, so stand fast, be watchful, be aware, be clear about the fact that, that we ourselves can, can fall into that place of being in bondage again to flesh and sin. But remember, as it says in verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. If you live in fear, you'll be joyless. Remember, that is not what God has given you. For the Apostle Paul wrote to to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That means we ought to be... Expressing that in our lives. What's that? Our own power? No. The power of the Spirit. Our own love? God, no. God's love. His agape love. Our self-determined, self-control, we're just... No. This This speaks of a discipline to the Spirit, to the Word... To the Father. And as God's adopted, we have become sons and daughters of God. It says here we are heirs with Christ of God's riches and his glory. Think about that. Our old life is dead. We're new creatures in Christ. We have the hope of heaven. And the Holy Spirit, it says here, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Have you ever known a Christian who's, are you saved? You know, I think I am, but I'm not sure. I I won't know until, you know, that that day when we take our last breath here and who knows where we'll take our next breath. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's not what it says here. It says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, are children of God. Are. Does his spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? This means that we know we are saved. We know we belong to God. We know we have been forgiven and are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We know that. We are confident of this. It is a fact. It is reality. It is not a a matter of our efforts, but of Christ's finished work on the cross. And because we are in Christ and Christ is in us, we cry out to God as a son cries out to his daddy. This is one of those Have you ever had a moment like that? If you haven't, at some point, you will. You are without strength. You are just overwhelmed. At some point, you're going to want to cry out, Abba, Father, help me. fathers on this earth fail us at one point or another, but we have a father who never does, and how amazing it is, what comfort, what peace, what strength it is that we can fall down and cling to him. Truly amazing that is. That we can cry out to the Father as Jesus cried out to Him in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm in anguish. I'm overwhelmed. We have not yet anguished to the point of shedding tears of blood. But the Son could rely on the Father. The Son knew that the Father was faithful. Know that. You can look to Him. Fix your eyes on Him. When He says there is salvation in no other name, no one else, there is no name, other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. When He says if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is the Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, We shall be saved. You can believe him. We are his children. We are heirs with Christ because we belong to God. As we have been saved by grace and are adopted sons and daughters of the Most High, find comfort and find confidence in that purpose and a hope. But keep this in mind, just because we are sons and daughters of God, we do not escape trials and tribulations john sixteen thirty three says this: I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have o- overcome the world Matthew chapter five verses eleven and twelve. Jesus speaking, he said, Blessed are you when others revile you and and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And in chapter 10, verse 16, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? No matter how much we think we will receive glory without suffering, and beware of teachers who tell you that, no matter how much we work to avoid it, It is part of life. It is part of the package of being a child of God. We are fellow heirs of God in Christ, and we must suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so glorification does not come without suffering, but let us suffer for standing in righteousness and not suffer because of sin, for that would be shame. The spirit within, do we have the evidence of the spirit without? Brothers and sisters in Christ, remember, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Greater is the spirit within than the flesh and the world without. We are not in debt to the flesh. We owe it nothing. We belong to God as adopted sons and daughters in Christ. We are heirs with Christ of God's riches, but we need to be willing to suffer as Christ did and learn how to suffer for God's glory. Let us be joyful servants of God, almighty, and know that we can humbly go to God and cry out, Abba, Father, and he will always incline his ear and his heart to us because he loves you with an everlasting love. Father, I pray that each and every person here would be confident that they belong to you. Father, I ask that your Spirit would convict anyone who remains in their sin and condemned, therefore. I ask, Lord, that you would soften them, that they would acknowledge your grace and your love right now. That the sacrifice of your son on the cross. Would not be rejected, but it would be received today. That they would also be included in. The group that this letter was addressed to, and that is to the saints who were in Rome in all other parts of the world, including here in Riverside. And I ask, Lord, that we would be a people who are steadfast and immovable. Lord, that we would be unmoved by any foolish teaching, Lord, false doctrine, that we would Stick to the simplicity of your word that we would know and understand and walk in wisdom uprightly before you, a holy and righteous God. That we would reject. Sin, the very thing that crucified my Lord. That we would reject that and we would instead walk in the spirit, knowing that by walking in the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, Lord, fill us with your spirit overflowing. I pray, Lord, that we would walk in your word, and we would bless and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray.